This is John. And this is Dan. And this is She's Not a Slut Yet. This is a podcast about three friends watching cult movies and drinking together. This week we'll be reviewing my pick, Airheads, which was released in 1994. To start us off, Dan's going to give us some box office stats. All right, so the movie Airhead had a budget of $11.2 million. Um, it opened up with $1.9 million and then made a total of $5.7 million domestically because there was no international release. As far as nominees and awards, there was nothing. No nominations, no wins. That's a first for all the movies <laughs> we've watched. Literally nothing. There was nothing. I kind of, like, none of them. Out of all the movies we've done, this is on the lower end of the... Uh, kind of the, the critics scales and all the all the chords had 6.1 stars on imdb rotten tomatoes it has a 23 percent and but the audience score has at least a 50 percent so that's uh that's where we are with it okay nadine give me some facts i'm gonna give you so many fucking facts john you don't even know what to do okay um <laughs> so the Lone Ranger's hit single, Degenerated, is actually a song by 1980s punk group Regan Youth, which I knew it as soon as I heard it. I was like, that's fucking, that's a punk song. That's, it's not even like slop or whatever they were saying in the movie. It's punk. Like, I love that song as soon as I heard it. Anyway, death metal band Cannibal Corpse was originally set to play in the movie, but when the producers found that they played an Ace Ventura pet detective, uh, they were Jim Carrey's favorite band at the time, the producers opted for White Zombie. Chaz, Brendan Fraser, hmm. was originally supposed to be played by John Cusack, which I could I can't imagine John Cusack being in that position, like as the as the main guy. Like he did an amazing Oh job. the fucking the next one. I noticed this and I just kind of sat paused it and sat there. I'm like, how did they get the licensing for that? Uh, I have no idea, but I'm really happy they did. So Beavis and Butthead, as everyone probably knows if you watch this movie. Uh, called the radio station while Chaz is giving away tickets. Um, when a caller it said, you they suck. <laughs> they, yeah, they said, you suck. It had to be the same studio or something. <laughs> yeah, they had to have been. Um, so when a caller asked for tickets to see the bands, Penelope Love, Love Stocking and Crimson Shroud, Chaz, Brendan Fraser criticizes, oh man, you actually listened to that Seattle bullshit? This isn't a reference to the grunge scene, which had become popular by 1994, and Seattle is the home of mostly bands associated with that genre. I... I like grunge. Um, I don't judge anyone who listens to that shit, but I, I can see where at that point where it was like just new, where they would give them shit for it. Um, <clears throat> Rex gives Ian a CD and tells him to play track two, which is "I'm the One" by Four Non Blondes, uh, the same song as track two on the Airheads' original soundtrack. Uh, Ian Joe Mantegna mentions to Milo Michael McKean that. Which, by the way, Michael McKean is in Clue. Anyway, that if it's too loud, you're too old. Michael previously played the lead singer of Spinal Tap, and this is Spinal Tap in 1984, which is described as the loudest band in England. Ian refers to Chaz as Conan, an obvious reference to Conan the Barbarian. Brendan Fraser was considered for the part of Conan the Barbarian in the 2011 remake. There is a brief reference to Motley Crue's lead singer Vince Neil killing someone in 1984, well, the band Hanoi Rocks was taking a break from touring because their lead singer, Michael Monroe, had injured his ankle. Some members of Hanoi Rocks ends up, ended up at Vince's home for a party. Vince and Hanoi Rocks drummer Nicholas Razzle Dingley went to get more liquor. Vince was driving even though he was already drunk. On the return trip, Vince was speeding and lost control of the car, resulting in a terrible collision with another vehicle. Razzle died instantly, and the two people in the other car saw, suffered severe injuries and were left with lifelong complications from these injuries. 
Vince, however, walked away with the concussion, a $2.5 million fine, and served 15 days in county jail. Well, that's absolutely lovely. So I'm going to go over the synopsis now. The movie starts with Ian announcing another song on Rebel Radio as Chaz is driving his motorcycle to the record producer's office. The scene then focuses on Chaz as he sneaks into the record producer's office to get Jimmy Wing to listen to his tape. Jimmy refuses, and Chaz, Chaz is apprehended by a security guard who recognizes him from pulling the stunt multiple other times. After Chaz gets kicks out of the scene, that kicks out the scene switches to show Chaz at home on the couch when his girlfriend Kayla comes home. The two almost immediately begin to fight because Chaz ruined her makeup after not mailing the rent check. Chaz tries to smooth things over by telling her, well, I went to Palantine Records, which she gets excited about until he reveals he was kicked out before anyone listened to the tape. Kayla then kicks Chaz out and begins lobbing all of his stuff on the street as he drives away. Chaz then goes to see his bandmate, Rex, at his job at a toy store where they, by the way, which that, that just cracked me up, where they get picked up by the third bandmate, Pip. The three then head off to Rex's and Pip's apartment, where they goof off with realistic-looking water guns. That night, the three head off to see a show hosted by Rebel Radio. During the show, the three find out the guys on the stage got a record deal by being played on the radio. Chaz then says that's, that Chaz then says that's how we get a record deal. We get played on the radio. The next day, the three drive to Rebel Radio with their demo tape and try to break in through the back door. When they couldn't get in that way, Pip wanted to leave, but Chaz and, Re Chaz and Rex decided to go in through the roof somehow. While Pip is waiting in front of the back door for, you know, Chaz and Rex to come down, the back door opens and smacks him right in the face. The girl who opens the door, Susie, gets him an ice pack and apologizes before going back in the building. As the door shuts, Chaz drops his bag on the door to prop it open that three are able to get in. The scene then shifts to the radio manager, Milo, talking to Doug Beach about changing the radio over and letting the employees at the station go. Doug asks Milo when he's going to tell everyone. He says, well, I'm just waiting for the right moment. The scene then shifts again, so Chaz, Rex, and Pip entering the recording booth to talk to Ian, Rebel Ho Radio's host. At first, Ian goes to kick them out, but, you know, decides to record them live when they admit that to breaking into the station. Milo hears the recording and runs to kick the three out. Milo then pisses off Rex by calling him Boulevard Trash, and Rex pulls out his realistic-looking water gun on Milo while still in the air. Ian and Milo try to convince the guys to put the gun down, but Chaz and the band refuse until their demo is played on air. Dude, While the three are arguing, Chaz... How are you getting it Whatever. wrong? You Milo, it's... I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to keep saying Milo now. It's too late. I'm sorry. Milo. 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's me, Lo. It's too late. When the three are arguing, Chaz talks about Jimmy Wang and Palantine Records, who hears him on the radio and immediately realizes who is speaking. The scene then switches to Doug, who saw Rex pull a gun on Milo, calling the police. The scene then shifts back again, back to the band, Milo and Ian, where Ian <laughs> lets the band know the demo they brought can't be played because they only use CDs and tapes. Chaz doesn't accept that answer and says there's got to be a real... There's got to be a real reel here somewhere. It's a radio station. The group then goes to the tech guy to get a reel and bring him back to the recording booth as well, but the tape gets eaten by the reel and it's set on fire by the ashtray only a few seconds after playing. The band then decides to run away, but quickly realize the place is surrounded by cops and they can't leave. 
The band then decided to take everyone in the building hostage in the conference room, but somehow managed to miss Doug, who panicked himself and hid into the air vents. The scene then shifts to show more cops pulling up at the radio station. The cops then ask, then call, the cops then call the station to ask what the band's demands are, and Chaz refuses to speak to them. So the cops ask that Chaz meet with them outside, discuss his demands, and Ian then has Chaz talk to him in the hallway because he can't figure out what to ask for, and helps Chaz come to the conclusion that he needs the other copy of their demo. Just as Chaz decides this is what he wants, his girlfriend Kayla throws the only other copy of the band's demo out of the car as she's driving. After not being able to get in touch with Kayla, Chaz decides to talk to the lead cop. Jesus. O'Malley? Yeah, O'Malley. O'Malley. I watched this. Oh, I literally O'Malley. just watched this movie like an hour ago. I'm like not going to mute myself anymore because every time you do that, I respond to you and I'm like, fuck, I'm muted. <laughs> <laughs> O'Malley about getting the demo tape. O'Malley agrees only if Chaz sends out a hostage and returnee agrees by sending out Yvonne. As Rex and Pent send out Yvonne, they notice a large group of people gathered outside, and Rex decides to go out and showboat as the people cheer him on. The two then head back to the recording room, and on their way, Rex decides to show Pip how to be tougher, as he's being too friendly with the hostages. The scene then shifts to show that a SWAT team has arrived outside the station, and O'Malley is not pleased to see Mace as one of them. The two exchange words until a news van arrives and leaves Mace to deal with that. Once O'Malley leaves... Doug, who's been crawling around through their vents, gets a hold of Mace and makes, makes him his inside guy. The scene then shifts again and shows the band and their hostages goofing off in the station as they wait for an officer to find Kayla in their demo. The scene then switches back to Doug, talking to Mace about what he sees. Mace then asks him... I scrolled too far. Oh no! There we go. Mace then asks him if he has anyone who needs to be, that needs to be notified that Doug is okay, such so as family. Doug declines and then Mace begins to complain about his ex-wife which is hilarious. The scene then shifts back to the band, Ian, Milo, and Susie in the recording studio arguing over what good music is when Rex tells Ian he found a crate of Kenny G CDs on his desk. Ian immediately becomes suspicious of this and has Rex take him where he finds the new name of the radio station on pamphlets and shorts. Ian then confronts Milo about it and the two get into a fight. The scene then shifts to show the officer looking for Kayla. So it's easier for us to fucking edit, you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's funny. The scene then shifts to show the officer looking for Kayla, Officer Wilson, in a bar when he finds her. He explains the situation to Kayla, but she refuses to help and instead gets himself in a fight with some of the other bar patrons. After Kayla runs off, she finds the tape and drives to the radio station. As Kayla is coming to drop the tape off, the band decides to demand crazy items and return to plea insanity when they're arrested. At the end of the call, Rex demands a record contract as well. Outside, Mace gets the background checks he ordered on the band and finds out that Chaz was a bit of a nerd in high school and that his name isn't actually Chaz, but Chester. He also finds out that Pip is a pool boy, just like the guy his wife cheated on him with. The scene then shifts to show Pip and Susie in Milo's office going at it, as Doug watches from behind the couch. Once Doug gets in the vent, Mace calls him to let him know that he's giving him a gun because the men are much more dangerous than he originally thought. As Doug climbs around the vents to get the gun, Chaz talks to Ian about his tattoos, inspiring Ian to go live with Chaz again and announces the radio will go to soft rock. Though Chaz wasn't as inspiring as Ian was hoping for, Chaz did get the crowd fired up and brings more people into the radio station parking lot. 
Milo excuses himself as the guys rock out and find Pip and Susie on the couch. Just as everyone is fighting about the two hooking up, the lights go out and someone starts knocking on the front door. Chaz and Rex then, Chaz and Rex then lock Milo in the closet and run to see who it is. When the two get to the door, they find a guy pretending to be a record executive and chase him into the parking lot. Then Chaz tries to convince O'Malley to turn the power back on, and when O'Malley refuses, Chaz gets the crowd to chant Rodney King. O'Malley consents to turning the power back on then. Kayla shows up after the chanting is immediately held back by Mace, who calls Chaz by his real name. Chaz then, then admits that he was a nerd in high school and expects Kayla and the crowd to reject him, but the opposite happens. After making up, Chaz and Kayla go into the radio station together, and Kayla hands over the now-wrecked demo tape. Kayla and Chaz then get into a huge fight, and Kayla throws a chair through the recording booth glass and fries the recording equipment. The two make up, again, and the group goes outside to get the products of their demands. In the process of doing so, Rex accidentally breaks his water gun, and some hot sauce leaks out, and the tech guy and the surfer do run out of the building. The tech guy immediately tells the police to fake gun, the SWAT team go to head in. Just as they do... Doug pops out of the air van, starts shooting, and then panics and drops his gun, which is just constantly shooting. Ian then picks up the drops gun and hands it over to Chaz. Chaz immediately brings everyone up to the booth and calls O'Malley to ask him why there was a guy trying to shoot up the place, but O'Malley didn't know about Mace's plan. A few minutes later, the group hears knocking on the front door again, and Chaz sees Jimmy Wing standing there. As the group goes back and forth to the booth with Jimmy, Milo offers to help negotiate a contract as the band agrees with Ian's approval. As Milo puts together a contract with Jimmy, the band try to make the demo listenable. After the contract was written up, Chaz signed it and then found out that Jimmy didn't actually listen to the demo and wipes his ass with the contract. Jimmy and then Milo then convince Chaz that this is his golden opportunity as he will never be able to get publicity like he does right now. Again. Jimmy also said as long as they follow what he asks, he can get them off for taking the radio station hostage. With the console bust, the band begrudgingly agrees and gets ready to play on stage at the radio station parking lot. Once the stage arrives, mind you being freaking flown in by a helicopter, the band goes out with their hostages to play their song and find out that they're going to, they're going to lip-sync their demo so Jimmy can shoot a music video. The band is pissed and refuses to play as the music starts breaking their contract with Jimmy. However, the crowd just loves it. And storms past the police to get the stage side, allowing the band to crowd surf. The scene then switches to show the band playing live in prison with a TV crew, Ian, Kayla, and Susie. As the band plays, as the band plays, Ian says over the phone the band will start touring in six months, but three months if they can behave themselves. The scene ends with the band playing and saying that they served three months, and their album went triple platinum. And the band, uh, and what was it the? The record was called Live in Prison. <laughs> Funny shit. Good lord, Nadine, you gave me quite a bit this time. Yeah, I didn't know how to break this movie up. It was hard. I mean, you got through it quickly. We're only like 15 minutes in. Exactly. Because I think that's the thing about this movie. Like, a lot happens, but it's pretty straightforward. Like, there's not much uh, subtlety yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean... When I was, uh, when I, because I've actually watched a good part of this movie before when I was younger, but rewatching it now, you get to see a lot of stuff that you didn't get to see, which we've been over before. Um, when it comes to this movie, it's like, it's strange, because a lot of this movie is gold, but a lot of this movie is just repetitive tropes as well. 
um, like very repetitive tropes that were happening when this uh, movie, probably 1980s, 1990s ish. So when this movie came out, like I've watched, I think with you guys now about five different movies that are of the same type of movie as this one so far. Um, and, or it doesn't have to be the same genre. This is the same general way a movie is written. And I have to tell you, when I watched this movie, my immediate response was, this is another run-of-the-mill movie. It's another average Joe movie, which is what the, uh, the ratings show. It's a very okay movie, but there were some parts that were freaking hilarious. Like when he was shoveling cottage cheese into the football helmet to bring it inside. Or uh, when uh, Beavis and Butthead tell him his music is shit over the radio station. And like just some of that stuff is just gold. Did you miss the part? Because Dan missed it the first time around. I missed the first time. We both missed it. I had to point it out. When I watched the movie for the second time with Dan, because I had to watch it three times. Um, the They had the part where, you know, Ian comes in to, and he says, you know, what's going on, Milo? What's all this bullshit? And then Milo, like, basically tells everyone, okay, you're, you're fired. Like, you're not going to have a job anymore. Susie, everyone, everyone's, like, giving him shit. Susie in the background goes, all those blowjobs for nothing. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was hilarious. I caught that, I but dying. I didn't think, I didn't relate it. And she says it so, like, under a breath. <laughs> it's like, you, right. you'd have to, like, actually be listening for it to actually catch it. That's hilarious. Well, that's like like when uh, what's his face? Fucking Pip is getting railed by Susie, right? And he's just like, "Help!" At the end of it, right before the scene switches, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna re- reverse the the tone of your uh, analyst of this movie, analysis of this movie. Like, I love this movie. I don't for some reason this escaped my '90s like. If you were gonna say childhood, I was gonna say I mean escape by childhood, yeah. But but no, like it, it I obviously like I, I put the movies in there like Office Space, uh Basketball, like those are my type of movies. This is my type of movie. I don't know how I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I introduced it to him and I'm just mm. like, I fucking love this and I was like, I yeah. did not think you were gonna like this. Because when I watched the movie, like I've seen this movie since I was a kid. I like love this movie, I grew up with it. Yeah. Um it I just I want to pause you real quick. Hold on, real quick, just because this is funny. I have the Miller Lite can, cans right, except it's the bottle cans, and I dropped it right in the middle of the sentence of what you're doing, and nothing spilled because it bounced off of my table corner in the perfect way to bounce straight back up in the air, and I caught it again. Same hand I dropped it with. I kid you not. Or right, you can continue. I'm just doing some magic over here in the corner while you guys are chatting about the movie. Go ahead. So what I was saying is, like, I love this movie. I grew up with this movie, but I thought it wasn't as exciting as it was when I was a kid when I watched it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact when I was much younger, I was, like, really starting to get really into music by myself and, like, really loving it. So, like, I could kind of get on the same wavelength as the band members where, like, they were really passionate about music. Whereas now I have, like, I mean, I listen to kind of everything. I don't have, like, one genre that I listen to more over than others, except I don't listen to country at all. I hate country. Um, but I didn't think Dan was going to like this movie at all. I was like, oh, man, he's going to think this is boring. Like, I still love it because I think there's, like, golden parts that are absolutely hilarious. 
but like I literally was like not expecting that and Dan was like this is fantastic like I love this movie how have I I'm not even it? surprised like actually Nadine <laughs> I didn't think I actually thought that when I saw how the movie started I knew Dan was going to be have his socks blown off he's like this is fantastic you know and I'm like to me this is there's some really good stuff about this movie, but this is another Round the Hill uh, 1990s, yeah. 1980s movie. That's that's really all it is. There are there's tons of tropes, but those are the tropes that I love. And like those early late 80s, early 90s movies, this is just like a love letter that kind of just combines all of it. It just it's it's not like the best. Dude, it has the same energy as basketball. It exactly. really does. Basketball and, was and, you know, fucking funny. I, I didn't hate basketball that. Basketball was fucking funny. I didn't hate that movie. I didn't hate that movie, but you'll notice, like, during this eight-year time span of, like, 1986 to 1994 and a little bit past that, there's just a bunch of comedy dramas that came out, Yeah, right? and when and I this, watch these movies, yeah, there's a, a smile plastered onto my face. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what, what it is about these, like, 90s movies that just... Do it I will me. say this movie was very easy on the eyes, and I didn't, I didn't have any... There was a couple of really cringy moments, like... How all 1980s romances just like, haha. So domestic abuse turns into a, a normal relationship again. Don't mind me on that one. But uh, like there was just, just a general. Uh, I don't know what it was. There was no discomfort in the movie. It was a very easy to watch movie, but it wasn't something I would glue my eyes to, if that makes sense. So I do like this movie. Like, it was it, funny yeah, as fuck, I, but go ahead i do like this movie because it does have some historical references in it like you know with the band members at the time obviously but they also when they chant rodney king that in particular is actually referring to a man who was beat by police officers in la and when the officers were actually acquitted for beating him like not to death but beating him enough that he did have to be hospitalized the entire city of la rioted like completely so when they're chanting that they're basically saying like okay well if you shut it off we're we're gonna riot you know but i thought that was cool that they they referenced that in the movie during a time when stuff like that wasn't actually really talked about nearly as much as it is talked about now i mean i think they just used it for the comedic effect to be honest because if you recognize it you would realize that's actually kind of fucking hilarious so it's i don't think it's mostly for the comedic effect but i do think like you don't just put that kind of shit in there and like not have a little bit of a statement to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for comedic effect, but it actually does have like some weight behind it rather than just kind of like be a random. I guess that's the difference between you guys and me. When I watch a movie, I watch to escape all of life's problems, you know? And I actually really don't like, I really don't like when a movie brings in today's problems into it. Because it's just suddenly like, well, now it's just... I mean, it's one of the reasons why I dropped a lot of uh, a lot of series on Netflix for the same stuff. It's just like, once they started announcing today's problems into the series to make it more quote-unquote relatable, I suddenly lose interest. I don't want to relate to See, it, that's you know? the thing. It wasn't, today's, but, it wasn't today's issue or, like, even an issue that was, like... It wasn't something that had recently happened, and it happened, like, ten years prior or something like that when this movie had come out. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So I thought that was cool. Well, that was, let's, that was uh, interesting. Also, also, Kayla being violent, I think, I'm, which is the girlfriend's name, 
I'm pretty sure they did that for comedic effect. Like that they played up on even harder than they had to. There was no reason that woman needed to headbutt that man. There was absolutely no reason for it. And the chair through the glass, what the fuck, man? Or how about her yeeting a fucking, uh, I, I don't know if it was a brick or something at at uh, freaking Chaz's head when he's like basically shirtless. And then like beating the absolute crap out of him, get him out of the house. I'm like, Jesus. So th- was- those are those 90s tropes that like, like no one would ever actually do that, but it just it's for comedic effect, and that's that's a that's a staple of like 90s over the top comedy. Oh yeah, and it really that is probably the best way to put it. Complete over the top. Everything is in an extreme. Fucking Doug going through the vents, and in four separate scenes, he nearly dies. Like. Okay. And it's Wait, like all know? suspenseful and dramatic, and then he and then he grabs Funyuns and a hot dog while he's chatting with the police chief. Like everything is in extremes in this movie, <laughs> and not leaving. Right, he didn't leave right away. He kept watching it, and then he was like, "Maybe I should leave." And then he stayed a little longer, and then he was finally like, "I guess I shouldn't be here." What <laughs> clung through the vent? <laughs> oh my god, we should talk about how many actors were in this movie that are like in so much other shit. And some of them, you don't even realize what they're in. Like, this is like a gold mine of actors, seriously. Oh, yeah, quite a bit. First off, um, I mean, the obvious one, you do have Brendan Fraser. And you also have the uh, the fat cop, right? I forget what his name is, but Chris he's in Farley. a lot of movies. Chris he's in Farley. a lot of movies. Yeah, Chris mm-hmm. Farley's huge. I don't know how yep. you don't know his name. Then you have Adam I mean, Sandler, I mean, you have you can't, Steve... You, Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi. You have the guy. I think he's from NCIS. Is the one that plays Ian. Uh, Milo is actually in Clue, and he, obviously he played in Spinal Tap. And then you have the guy who plays Doug is Kramer from fucking Seinfeld. O'Malley's That's from Ghost, Ghostbusters. O'Malley's from Ghostbusters. I'm like, this movie was like. So I guess like what they like- normally did. They did any of the women play, or any, you recognize any of them? Yeah, I did recognize the girlfriend. Yeah, Kayla was definitely in other stuff, but I can't remember like what she was in because she's not like a huge name or in like a constant TV show that we saw all the time. But I've definitely seen her in other things. I think she was more. I know that the uh, classics. I know that the '90s was really hard on women in Hollywood, um, and and basically any type of director, a director in movies, like it's actually really it was really difficult for women. So. Like, I just was curious to see if you had noticed if they played anything else as well. I think Kayla did. I'm pretty sure the woman who played Kayla, she was in other stuff. I don't think they were really big movies. I think a lot of them ended up being cult classics as well. Although, I mean, I'd rather... Okay, I take that back. I'd rather be in a big movie than a cult classic, because at least I'd be rich. And I won't be remembered by people, like, you know, geeking out (laughs) over old shit. I feel like a good portion of the actors in this movie got pretty rich. Yeah. Maybe not from I mean, this movie, but... I, even with a cult classic, you can get pretty fucking rich. Like, maybe not, like, as insanely yeah. rich as the rest of them, but, like, you get pretty fucking rich from it. Um, because you're literally... Uh... Craig just... Did he leave? Knockout. I don't know. It sounded like someone just no, left the chat. He's, no, he's still in there. He's still, still there. there. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I've seen her, like, you can still make a decent amount of money in fucking uh, cult classics. Like, uh, anyone who was in, like, um, 
fuck, I'm trying to think of one, like a Princess Bride. I'm pretty sure half those bitches got pretty goddamn rich. Like, don't get me wrong, it's it's a fairly popular movie for a cult classic, but, like, they still got pretty wealthy. So, like, if you get one that has a decent enough fan base, like, you're going to make some dough out of it. Yeah, I think it also just gives you, like, it gives you legs to, like, if you're, if, if you're in a cult classic and you it gets a groundswell, I feel like directors will pick you just because, like, you have a fan, a fan following, like, a, an underground fan following that's going to instantly make you think you're going to have, like, a more credible movie. So I, I think it's yeah. a good thing either way. So I want to reintroduce something because I noticed that you put a line in here about him. Milo, right? How he's the least liked character of the movie. And how yeah. kind of like Weasley he is, and like snaky. One of the thing, one of the things that he did that really cracked me up in the entire movie is I don't know why they did it like this, right? He had to open the door. He had to open the door of the closet that he was stuck in. Instead of using like his chin or something to you know bump it down, he decides to essentially deep throat the doorknob. <laughs> and you get all these grunts and gooey noises. As you listen to him, like, throating the freaking handle of the door, and then you hear a click, and he opens it up, and he's like, and he just goes out. And eventually, I'm not sure if you guys noticed it, but, but when he suddenly gets uh, the, uh, all the ropes and stuff off of him, he uses his hand on his face like he's wiping off something all yeah. over his face, like he just gave a lot of work somewhere, right? <laughs> so, so just there's, there's pieces of that. It's it was so good. I saw that. I'm like that is actually hilarious. Completely unneeded though, but com- just hysterical. Dude, when <laughs> just you see being... him, oh, uh, I had to stop myself. When you see him in Clue, you're gonna be like, okay, I see it because it like he said something in Clue, and it took me a long time to figure out who the fuck he was because he's like much older in this movie than he was in Clue. Um, and then he finally had like an inflection in his voice, and I was like, this bitch plays in Clue, he's the guy who's, like, kind of, like, skinny and, like, scrawny, and he's, like, he's, he's, like, stutters all the time, and he has, like, really weird mannerisms. He plays those parts to fucking perfection. Like, when he's in Clue, you don't forget him. He's hilarious. I, like, every time I watch that movie, I die. Like, I mean, all of them are really funny, but he's pretty funny in that movie, too. I have a feeling, Nate, um, Dan, uh, that by the time we actually watch Clue, we're going to know exactly every single scene of the movie, every single character, I, I, with the comedic parts, all the one-liner jokes, the plot of the movie. By the time we actually watch it, we're going to be sitting down already pretty much knowing exactly what it is, because Nadine's like Clue every single episode. I mean, I, I date Nadine, so I, I, I've seen Clue. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, but... But, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, I think we get uh, a sense of the movie Clue without actually even... You, get, you bitches better be prepared, because New Year, like, we're... I mean, we're just doing movies that we just want to do at that point. We're not even trying to go for, like, a like a theme, like movies we haven't seen. We're just going to be like, I've seen this before, and I love Does it. Does that have to be a cult classic movie. anymore? No, it has to be a cult classic. Woo! Blue People Avatar! It, it still has to be a cult classic. Woo! Blue People Avatar! I will literally kick you in the fucking throat. <laughs> That's fair. Well, let me uh, let me bring us back to the actual movie. There was a lot of good stuff about the movie. There's a lot of tropes about the movie. If you look at it in a positive lens, you see a classic example 
of 1990s, 1980s humor, like Dan said. But at face value, this movie is bland. It is a it, it gives me the same vibes as Weird Science, um, well, and well, a well, couple of the movies like we watched before, Weird Science where it's good. Well, no, where it's it's Weird Science is like the epitome of that blandness, but it gives me the same vibes where it's made. The movie is good, but at the same time, you kind of just move on after you watch it, right? Um, I don't. Like, I personally don't think I wouldn't revisit this movie at a later time and be like, oh, yeah, I remember this scene. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, it's not a terrible movie either where I am forced to watch it like a torture method, like having water dripped on my head like surf Nazis must die, you know? So this movie isn't terrible, but I wouldn't say it's great either. It's just got some really golden moments and some really, really bland moments. Does that kind of make sense? It's not a, it's not a Donnie Darko where you can find something really cool about the movie. You snag onto it and you're like, aha, it must be like this. No, this movie's so in your face. This is what I am. That at the end of the movie, you're like, well, I have nothing else to dig. I mean, I've, you've already scraped the bottom of the barrel with some of these jokes. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's valid, but like, the fact that it's a comedy that is uses a lot of the same tropes that have been done in other movies. It's a, there's not many new jokes. It's just kind of it. It's not doing anything different, but yet still, I watch it for the first time in 2021, and like I still laugh hysterically. I don't. I don't see it as I. I can't call it bland. I think that's the difference. Um, I actually did watch this when I was younger. And I didn't actually like the movie at all when I was younger. Like, at all. Like, I thought it was just a little... It was just like one of those obscure indie movies. That's really what it felt like. But you gotta admit... You gotta keep in mind, I was like 13, like 14 when I watched this. So I didn't I mean, really, John, really understand, quote-unquote, so. the taste. <laughs> Thanks, Nadine. You're welcome. Don't You're worry. Of the, my, the, the alcohol in my fridge is officially mine from now on. Thanks. And, like, the other Don't thing I will own. say about this movie is, like... It has like a lot of over the top humor, but the the actual characters aren't so over the top and like iconic, like Ace Ventura, uh, the Bat. Like they're not your typical '90s comedic role where like it's this like loud, obnoxious, like flamboyant character. They're all they're all very like unique, but they don't. They don't like They're out there. Not, all the all the three main characters are kind of like it's a very good balance between the three characters. They're out they there. They all have extreme like, personalities that end up being a very balanced set. Yes. Yeah. It exactly. works out pretty so well. So I think that's what's kind of unique about this movie. I think this movie is unique for like multiple different reasons. Because like when you don't really think about it when you're watching the movie, but the movie is called Airheads. They're basically saying those suckers are stupid. But you're not thinking about how dumb they are when you're watching the movie. Like you're thinking about it, especially with Pip, because uh, Chaz and Rex kind of seem like they have a little bit more brains. And Pip is so fucking dumb that you're just like, all right, well he's the dumb one of the group. But like, they're literally like, okay, all these people in this movie are dumb. There's like a degree to it yeah. where they're fucking stupid. And then when you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, you're right, they are fucking stupid. 
my whole thing is I was watching this shit because I was really interested into like them being <laughs> passionate about the movie. But in reality, this movie is about dumb people. That's all it's yeah. about. I, I think that's awesome. Like it, it never really specifies who are the airheads. Is it the three guys that try to break into the studio? Is it the studio odor and like the, the disjunct? Is it the police? You know, is it, is it the random fans that show up to like a and are like cheering on people holding people hostage? Like, yeah, right? like who's the actual airhead? It's it's everybody. Yeah, I th- yeah, I I do actually think that, and I agree with you now, especially this is a very basketball-y movie. Like, maybe not as blunt, but this is a very basketball-y movie with rapid-fire jokes. Hopefully one of them hits. Um, There are some very extreme scenes, but at the same time, like, there is some at least least some inflection of the title in the movie as well. And on top of that, the one-liners that this movie has, like, and some of the jokes that they have, they're really subtle. Like, you don't always hear them. Like, the one where, like, I said earlier with Susie, so like all those blowjobs for nothing. Like, there's several of those that are in there that you're not, like, you don't realize they're there until, like, you watch it for the second or third time. Or unless you're really, like, focusing on the movie. Because, like, when I don't remember, they were arguing about something and he, and Milo was saying something to Chaz, and Chaz goes, You look like half a butt puppet. Like, you don't think about it. But, like, if you watch it, you're like, okay, that's pretty fucking funny. Like, half a butt puppet is actually hilarious. Like, what the fuck does that even look like? Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like, they're, they're, it's not just, like, delivering punchlines. It's just, like, little things and little character interactions that make this movie funny. Whereas a movie like Basketball, it's just constant jokes. Yeah. True. And the one-liners in this movie, like, they're gold. Like, some of the ones that they came up with that you don't even realize right away, you're just like, this is hilarious. I love the scene uh, where Rex and Pip are in the hallway with Doug still climbing in like the air vents and stuff like that. And Rex is trying to like coach Pip into being like tough. And it's really hard for me to focus on Pip being tough because he's young Adam Sandler. You know what cracks me up is that when I saw him playing Pip, Adam Sandler, I knew that this was this is when like he started doing all of the same roles because I don't know how many movies I can't even think of how many movies now where he plays someone that's like not exactly all the way there but he does it so stupidly well it just doesn't make any sense how he, like how the fuck do you like as you're getting you know quote unquote getting ride on by like some girl you're like help me like at the end of it like what is this <laughs> like this, yeah, like Adam Sandler it's, it's is that, such, like, he such like a golden addition. But that's I think that's what it's kind of cool about his character in this movie. He's not completely like an idiot like he's in The Waterboy or like Mr. Deeds or like some of his other movies. He's like semi almost seems like someone you might know or like have known. But he's I know just an, an idiot. Like the just... one scene where he's like yeah, like he's a believable idiot. That's that's a thing. Yeah, like he's kind of like that uh, that weird kid in with that weird kid in college class that keeps saying random stuff while the professor's trying to talk, you know, no. or like that no. weird kid in uh, no. high school that everyone jokes around. I'm gonna tell you that's exactly that's the vibes I'm getting like. because I know multiple people like that. I'm gonna tell you exactly who this butthead. sounds like. Leaves and butthead. No, there's a cashier that I have at my job 
who's so fucking stupid. It's not even fucking funny. And I didn't know people this dumb fucking existed and have survived this long in their life. <laughs> but she Are did. Are you talking about the one you called me? You called me into rant about yesterday. Yeah, the one who asked if birds drink water. <laughs> I was like, I work yeah. in a pet store, guys. So I was like, how did you get hired here? He reminds me of her. Uh, like, there's some point to her. Yeah, like, where all their marbles to... are in a row, but it's just not all their marbles like... are in their row. But the thing is, some of them just keep rolling away, and she's yeah. Which ones are missing? Like or the not. one scene where he says, like, what he's gonna do with the money. He says, "Be like, oh, I'm gonna get a drum set that goes underwater." So, so I, I could get dunked in a take and play the drums and everybody's going to hear me. And, and then all says, the girls around him are like, ooh, that's hot. And like, and no like, one that's says, like, that's works. a terrible idea. Right. <laughs> but like, but they, they just move on. You know what actually got me, though, about that? Is that, you know, Pip is, you know, as you see his character, he's like a likable character. But at the same time, you also know the frustration of knowing someone like that, right? Yes. But yes. it cracks me up how every single girl in the movie had the hots for him. Or thought he was, oh man, that's attractive. And then what is it that uh, Rex said? He's like, yeah, they dig that uh, not all the way there type or something. Like the innocent and confused type. And you no, just see him twiddling Chaz. his thumbs as the girl's shuffling closer. As well. Was it, it Chaz? Chaz? I'm not sure because I know they, they, they were talking about it. Chaz talking to Ian. And like, that, that's like, kind of... Yeah. They're, they really like that dumb type that like the girls love it. Like he's innocent but dumb and like they go all over for it. And I'm like, all right, well, I mean... If that's their thing. What did they call? What did they call ass in this movie? It was it was this one the one way the one word they called it when we were talking about ass. I don't know idea. And like oh god, what was it? But every time every time uh, every time when people was like, um, or like a girl would walk by, it's like wow, that's a nice set of something or whatever. Dan, yeah, do you I remember? I, I forget. I get, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. But no, I I think that's also kind of like a musician's like like inside joke of that like the drummer always gets like the most oh yeah the drummer always gets this yeah, yeah. and they're always uh on top of that they they kind of fit the stereotype pretty well though like pip on drums um rex yeah. on guitar and you know how guitarists are always seeking or always trying to get the most attention and then the yeah, vocalist like slash guitarist yeah that are always like let's actually do some real shit you know like trying to control everyone but no one actually gives a shit because he's just a vocalist so I, I there I will give it this as a music buff and someone who really does appreciate uh, music. This movie was kind of interesting in that aspect and I really did enjoy it. But at the same time, I didn't really enjoy that specific genre of music either. Like don't get me wrong, I love rock and I love classic rock, right? But that is not one of my favorite genres to listen to. So when I was just listening, it was it was cool to see all of these, you know, musical references, but at the same time it was like, okay, I mean Cool. You know, it's kind of like it's a normal thing for a movie like this. I didn't really hate it. Absolutely so, not. But I didn't love it. I just liked that it was in there. I would say that this band, like, I like the genres. I like how they put genres in. They say, oh, we're more like slop, but we don't like to go tour to, like, um, any sort of, like, you know, type of... Uh, musical genres people part of put Genre, labels on them. Yeah. They don't like those labels. But like I would definitely say their band is not like normal rock like or like classic rock like where like you have, you know, 
from Motley Crue, ACDC and stuff like that, I would say that they're more towards like punk because like Degenerated was based off, it was a song that was done by a 1980s punk group. That is classic punk. That is like 100% like if you were listening to fucking Rancid. Like that was, I love that. So like if you're not into like punk or if you're not into like classic rock or if you're not into even like grunge because they do reference grunge in this movie, I don't think this movie is going to be for you, musically speaking. So I want to throw something out there. I actually like soft rock quite a bit, right? Um, Wow. And it's, I know, I know. But I listened to it for the same reason that uh, um, Milo actually mentioned. And it's like, oh, just a more (laughs) relaxing, chill type of thing. And when he said that, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. And he's like, I'm going to call it the rain, you know? And immediately when I heard that, I just was like, oh, my fucking God. And how they just completely, like, oh, gross, soft rock. And everyone's like, boo. I thought that shit was the most hilarious thing in the world. How everyone in this, everyone in this entire show mutually hated soft rock. I didn't realize you were doing podcast was... with Milo. I did just realize no, 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 your personality no. is closer to his than I thought. I hate, I hate you guys so much. It really much. is. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Nadine, you're more like a pip. It's all right. Oh, One thing I like about this movie is that you never actually really hear what their band is or like what they're like. And they have that one scene where he doesn't really give his band like a genre. But like the way they dress, you think they're kind of like a Guns N' Roses type Van Halen poison right. band. Oh, definitely a Van Halen type. Yep. Yeah. And like at the end like they they i i thought like it would be hilarious if they, if they like finally play their their song and, and it was just, terrible just trash yeah like that's what i thought too i legit the entire movie i was like dude that would be literally it's the most like, hilarious like they, thing like they could barely play their instrument instruments but like i guess i guess it kind of like when you finally hear them play it's like this kind of like classic punk sound yeah, i was like yeah i can i it, that's not bad you know it, it's 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 exactly the music expected it would, but I thought it was going to be like they were all pitched wrong. You know, the drums were offbeat, the guitar was like like really terrible, and everyone's just like, "Okay, these guys literally just, um, you know, held a bunch of people hostage, saying shit yeah. about this, and they had the worst music on the planet." Like that would have been hilarious, but I also like the traditional. Oh, they went triple platinum from prison. Like that's equally as funny. Yeah. So I, I yeah. mean, like I, I think it. That that was never the point of the movie, but like, also, it, um, I I want to throw this out there because you completely reminded of it, remind me of it. Um, Dan, this movie has a lot of build up, like hidden build up, right? So it is very very slow in the beginning, and then about midway through it starts to pick up, and you start getting this comedic, you know, comedic gold lines. Like, there's a couple of them in the beginning. Don't get me wrong, but like where they're uh. Oh, what is it, the manager or whatever is like, I'm gonna tell the boss on you or something like that. Like that's just oh that's just that's amazing. But the further you get on the morning the the movie, the worse it gets. Like the just the insanity of it just starts cranking it up. Like the dial just keeps spinning to max and then it just ends on a f- final note of just ridiculousness where he's thrusting with his guitar and then two guys in a prison outfit are just looking at him like what the fuck's this guy doing? Why is he doing this to us? You know, like, it's just, it's funny at the end. 
but it took a lot of build-up, I think, to get to that point where you started really enjoying it. Do, would you yeah, agree with me on that one, Dan? I, I kind of do, because, like, as the movie progresses, either, even though, like, the plot's pretty straightforward, there's so many different outcomes that you're they're, you're kind of, like, preparing yourself for. Is like, are they all just going to get raided? And are the police going to... Is the SWAT team going to annihilate everybody? Is, like... Are they actually going to get their record played and everybody's going to love it? Like, what, what's what's actually going to happen? So, like, there's a lot of, like, potential routes that this movie could go to, to an ending. But ultimately, like, it's it, it just a ridiculous story. Oh, yeah. that, that reminded me. You know, it's a ridiculous story. How about, uh, what's his face? The, uh, the SWAT team guy. Oh my god, I was just about to bring oh, up that too. Like, how have we not where talked about Where he, he was, yet? uh... <laughs> So, I just, I, I'm going to, Mace, that's it, Mace. Mace. So, something, when he started complaining about his ex-wife and how his ex-wife cheated on him for a pool guy, and at the entire time, he's like, he's like, okay, we'll manage, you know, what? Well, you'll be my in-ground guy, and then he finds out that Rex worked at a pool, you know, he was at a pool thing, he's like, we gotta pull out the guns, he's, these guys are dangerous, I was just like, <laughs> that is so good. See, I didn't even catch that, like... <laughs> It's like there's. It's just it, like I'm gonna give you a gun. And I want you to take care of the problem. Like Jesus, Maze, calm down, dude. And it's because he's upset that, that it's that fucking was, like. I love that this guy is so scarred from his wife cheating on him with a pool boy. That as soon as he finds out Pip is a pool boy, that he's like, we gotta murder them. We have to murder all of them, and that's just how it's gonna have to be. Yeah, it's like these guys are dangerous, and we don't know what they're capable of. Here's a fucking automatic gun, an MP5, and I want you to just raid the place. And Doug's like, but a gun? He's like, you'll make it You'll make it in there, soldier. He's like, what? <laughs> I love Or the fact that he's, like, chatting with, uh, how he's chatting with Doug, and he keeps, like, just casually removing parts of the words that he clearly can hear, but he doesn't care about. Like, when he says that, uh, oh, what was it? He was, like, a something Marine, like an office Marine or something like that. Um, he's like, oh, you're a Marine. All right. He's like, uh, uh, um. <laughs> he's like, I was an accountant. Or, no, you won't be accountable. <laughs> no, you won't I... be held accountable. And he's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, that's just I hilarious. Love, I love how this man is so still not over his ex-wife that every single chance he gets, he talks about her. When he first comes on the scene, he's talking about it with a coworker. When he first starts, when he talks to Doug and he realizes Doug doesn't have anyone and he's waiting for someone new, he's like, he starts talking about her. Like, every chance he gets, he talks about her and how he's so scarred that she fucked a pool boy to get out of the relationship. He even, oh my God, this part is so funny. He even says at one point, like, I come home late at night after a long day at work and I have a tiny, itty bitty skid mark. And you'd think I'd just start a World War Three. <laughs> Like, World oh War God. Nine. World <laughs> War Nine. She. He said. Oh my God! I you think I started World War Nine, and I'm like, oh my God. Like, well, she's. If you're making her wash your underwear with shit in, I would understand why she's a little bit upset. Like, <laughs> you know. World oh War God. Nine, dude. He skipped freaking three <laughs> to eight right there just before. Oh my He's God. such a. He you know what? That would probably be what my I would be like if uh, Satori cheated on me with someone. I would literally be like that for decades. I'd be like, you know, every goddamn time we argued over something stupid like this, you know, just constantly. Like, I, I can understand his trauma. 
See, I wouldn't. Yeah, like, since day one of when you've known me, Nadine. Yeah. I, I love you to death, but it's I okay. would not be like that. I would not. I would be like, you know what? Fuck, oh, you're out, and I would disappear. <laughs> like you would never know where I was again. I would literally be. I you've known me since day one, Nadine, on how me and Satori are, right? We're like two yeah. peas in a pod. Like if that actually happened, we'd both be mentally and emotionally scarred for the rest of our life. So I relate to him, but I also find it's hilarious. Because like the total thing is like don't bring your emotional problems to work. So yeah. while there's a hostage situation, he hands one of the hostages a gun through the roof instead of, you know, going through the door that's been unlocked the entire fucking time. Um and just allows this guy that is just an office dude to just mow everyone down because of his emotional issue he had before. I just, that cracked me up. Like that, speaking, thinking of it now, I think he's probably one of my more favorite characters. He's like a hidden gem. All right, we got to get going, moving over, because we were at like 57 minutes in. Um, okay. Dan, did you have anything that you want to add before we go over? Uh, I don't think so. I think I am ready to go to the next. Episode. I will. Uh, I will go ahead. Is it or isn't it, Nadine? Um, I will go ahead and go first. This is yeah. This is this is obviously a cult classic. Like, there's so many finer details about this movie. It plays off of other tropes that cult classics have had. There are many actors that are in various different cult classics. Like, it's another great example of just a just your run of the mill. Shining cult classic. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's, yeah. Like this is the complete like archetype of a cult classic. You have it doesn't. It's not a huge budget. It doesn't have a huge like uh, box office run. It even isn't really that critically acclaimed. But for some reason, these actors have launched their careers. Not necessarily off this movie, but like there's so much gold and there's so much. Like comedic gold in this movie, and it you can still watch it and laugh at it. it I it's it's a cult classic to me. Um, obviously, obviously for you, classic. right, Nadine? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's a cult classic. It's a good ass movie. Um, I mean, the music alone. You wouldn't in have it, chosen it otherwise. I, I wouldn't have honestly. Uh, but it, the music alone in it yeah. makes it a cult classic. Like I'm the music, it makes it. Like, people follow it for the music, the Degenerated song, people follow it for that. Um, the whole concept of, like, you know, rock and rollers, like, that, the like people who like that style of music, that's, they'll, they'll follow it. Like, it's definitely, the whole thing, pretty much, it's just a cult classic. Like, it hits all the right points for it. It really does. All right. Um, let us rate the movie. I'm going to go last. <laughs> Because you guys are not going to like my rating. Um, but I really am curious. Like Dan, what is your rating? Uh, I, I'm i going to give this movie an 8.5. Like, this oh, movie, I thoroughly I love. <laughs> it's on fifth element level, boys. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, I think it's just because oh, it was this my first movie from this podcast that I watched. It is instantly one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's, uh, that it's, even, Jesus, that high? It's yeah. not even a. I know it's not a perfect movie, but like it just like the experience of watching this movie, I had a smile plastered onto my face. I that is I, a Nadine level rating and a half if I've ever seen one. Actors like I, I love from other movies and, I, and seeing them in one of their very first movies or when they were younger is just like 
it's like it's like I was able to step back to, in time for a little bit and enjoy like a little time capsule from like the early nineties. So it's an eight point five for me. I'm I'm hearing all of the gushing, and if we don't stop, he's going to start coming up with a fan fiction on it. Nadine, what is yours? Um, it's a seven for me. Uh, this is like my run of the mill actual rating. So, like, if it's a movie that I'll watch over and over again, I love it. But I don't like this is the best movie that's ever been created, kind of thing. Like, I'm ecstatic about it. Like, I am with like Blue. Uh, it, that's that's my solid point. Like, I'll keep watching it. I love this movie mostly because. I mean, I grew up with it one, but uh, I like the music that's in it. I like the kind of concept that they had with it, like how they were kind of making fun of like people who were rockers at the time and how like into it they were. I, I mean, I kind of dig that. I thought, I, I mean, my brother, my older brother's like that because he's in a band, except he's in a metal band. <laughs> so, uh, but he's like that. So it kind of just makes me think of him a little bit. He's a little out there himself. Yeah, I, I kind of buy that too because I have older brothers and like, I think it just kind of like, I feel like my brothers have had to see this movie because it's it's kind of who they were growing up and it's like looking up to them. But so as the yeah. person that both you guys are talking about, because I am a very musical person, right? I'm not. I didn't ever play in a band, but I did play quite a, you know a few instruments. I have to say this movie was fun. But at point blank value, it's not my favorite movie at all, and it never will be. It's also not my most hated movie in the world either. It kind of goes right in the middle. Like it's it's a good movie, but it's just it's another movie that you can watch, and there's no loss in doing so. So for me, it's gonna be yep, Nadine got it. It's just a straight five. Like it is, it has a lot of positive notes on it, but at the same time. It's really just a bunch of tropes that are thrown together, and I'm getting that uh, that's almost kind of, here it is, congratulations, all of this just randomly thrown in your face like it was with, uh, you know, basketball. Like, it's just a bunch of bunch of jokes thrown at you, and to be honest, I missed probably a good third of them, just because of how quickly they rolled them off, but it's not a bad movie, it's, it's definitely worthy of that five. Nadine, think and I put this at the same level as Surf Nazis Must Die. You're insane. <laughs> no, like, I think that's a good spread for us because, like, I think because I just had such, I've never seen this movie and see it for the first time, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. That's why I'm a little probably higher than it would have been if I, like, would have, I've seen it before and I'm seeing it again. But I think you're kind of like the opposite where it's like you've seen it before, you've seen parts of it, you kind of know of that movie once you, once you realize what you're watching. But it's still higher than like most of these type of movies for you. Yeah, like it's not, it's not a genre I don't like, like horror, right? And on top of that, it's not the peak of comedy in my opinion, like The Fifth Element, um, or it doesn't have that animation stuff that I like. It's just your standard, standard. It's not a bad movie. Um, so to me, that is the epitome of a five. Like I would genuinely watch this, and I would go. I would go home and be like, ah, oh, yes, I spent money on a movie and I got exactly my money's worth, right? It was worth that exact $12 I spent. Like, that that's how it feels to me. Honest to God, John, I literally feel like we need to make a placemat for you because you're all over the place with your ratings. And you're like, I like this movie. It's a two. <laughs> okay, so, all right, time out, time out, time out. 
When I do a rating, right, there's a lot of positives to I don't it, care. I don't I, care how you do your rating. You're wrong. I you're wrong. You. I like Have this movie. It's a five. Your skill not, does not make any sense. I was not gushing no, over this be... movie. And I'm not purposefully going low because you saw the movies that I like. Like, the movies I like, you guys fucking hate. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like a nine. Nadine's like, this is one of the worst movies I think I've ever watched. So I'm going to give it like a four. You <laughs> yeah. know? And I, and I don't like it, and I give it a low rating. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, I may like the movie, but it's not something I would ever actually consider watching in the fucking first place ever again, more like. So I'm like, well, I like the movie, but I will never watch this ever again, and I'm going to move on with my life and pretend it didn't exist. Five. That's a five. Okay, I'm so sorry. So you gonna, can bash I'm my rating system a, all you want, Nadine. I'm but buying you a fucking placemat. I'm going to buy like a you know chart what's on funny? how... And how you rate things, and then I'm gonna actually put it on Facebook, and then I'm gonna actually make you the placemat that that Link has in Good Mythical Morning. I'm gonna fucking send it to you all the way in fucking Maryland, and your ass is gonna use it every time we rate a movie. Every time I want you to have a hung up on your wall right above the computer. How do I feel? Is it a really big frowny face, or is it only a little bit of a frowny face? You know what, Nadine? <laughs> I think I'm right here because if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, also, like Dan said earlier in this in, earlier, it was 50% for the audience. I was gonna give it a four, but I had fun with you guys. I'm like, all right, I'll give them some leeway. I think a five is appropriate, and I think that's correct. The audience agrees with me, but you guys are like, no, he he likes the movie, but he gave it a five. Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, this is this is just about this movie specifically. Just the whole like spattering of movie ratings you've had so far. Well, I, I try not to go into detail about what I hate about movies like this because otherwise. Every single movie you guys would get like a good 30 minute segment of why movies like this are shit. But I'm holding back. So that is just nestled deep inside of me from the trauma of Surf Nazis Must Die, of just movies that are like this, you know? But I'm trying to enjoy them. I'm learning. I'm learning. My rating higher and higher than I used to. But the five is the maximum I will ever give something like this. I'm sorry. It's fair. I'm probably overshooting it with the 8.5, but like... No, you're not. No, you're not. You had, you, you, you had a stupid little smile on your face like a kid in a candy store. You definitely deserve to give it that rating. Yeah, like that, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's my general feeling about this movie, watching it for the first time. Never seen it before, even though I don't know how I missed this movie. It's It just, like, it brought me a lot of joy. So. And I think I think deep down before we finish it off, um Nadine, I think deep down that is the point of this podcast for us is to find movies that Nadine's watched everything in this and everything in the sun on this list. Like it, I don't think she counts, but for you Pretty and me much. Dan, the point of this is to find <laughs> movies that su- su- that are like surprisingly good. Like we didn't expect that. Like uh you know, there's some movies that I've rated way higher than I normally would rate movies just because I enjoyed it so thoroughly that I didn't actually expect it to be good. Like Fifth Element. I've never even heard of that movie. And I watched it and I fell in love with it. It is one of my favorite movies now. You're yeah. welcome. You're welcome but for does this inviting movie, you to does this, this movie count? But does this movie count? No. Does Surf Nazis Must Die count? No. Weird Science? No. Nadine, all the negatives don't bring up the positive. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Would we recommend this movie, guys? Uh, Dan, would you recommend this? Oh yeah, definitely. Like if you're like me and you just love your '90s humor, go for it. This is a movie. It it should be up there with all the other classics of the '90s. 
I would definitely recommend this movie. Um, I'm going to go outright and say I'm actually very torn. Typically speaking, I would not recommend movie. I would not recommend a movie like this. But at the same time, because of that musical aspect, there's a lot of friends I have that might be into this movie. Um, I'm going to give it a maybe question mark because I'm really unsure because I would actually mention this movie if someone brought up something like this, but I would never. I don't know how to put that in our fucking charts, John. I don't have maybe. Just put M. It's yes or or no, bitch. It's yes or fucking no. Why not both? (laughs) Because you can't have both. It's yes or no. It's It's a yes or no question. No. No, I would not recommend this then. No, you you make me go negative then. I like the movie somewhat, but now I don't like it. Wow, you're a little bitch. Um, (laughs) All right, 15, would you recommend this? Obviously, I would recommend it. I fucking picked the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it before. I grew up with it. Obviously, I recommend it. Like, I like this movie. It's a good movie. You know what this is like, Dan? Uh-huh. This is like introducing someone to anime or something no. that people have like a weird thought about. And Nadine is the weeb that knows every anime existence. And it's like, I don't understand why you guys don't like this anime, even though it's hidden in the closet, covered in cobwebs. She pulls it out like it's gold. And she's like, look, it's great. And then Dan's like, yeah, I can see that. And I'm like, what am I watching, Nadine? Are you talking about this movie or this podcast? I'm talking about just in this podcast. Nadine's the the cult classic weeb. I just really want to put out there that you are the only weeb between the three of us. So I don't know why you're using that as the analogy. (laughs) Because it's a great analogy because I'm the weeb, so I can relate to it. I'm trying to relate to you, Nadine. I feel like you're the only person that's actually used the term weeb and called us weebs constantly throughout this, like, this all these recordings. And, like... You know what? Uh, Let me make an anime podcast and force you guys to sit through it with me. All right, end this. All right, I'm I'm really excited about the next movie though, Dan. Really excited. I'm not. Uh, if you guys have any movie recommendations, <laughs> you can talk about movies with us. You can find us on Facebook through our private group, Snazzy Podcast. Snazzy is spelled S N A S Y. Or you can find us on Instagram at Snazzy Podcast. Or you can just email us at she's not a slut yet at gmail.com. If you guys like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us get out there and have more people find us. Uh, just a heads up, we'll be reviewing Dan's pick, The Boondock Saints, released in 1999 next. So make sure to tune in again. The episode will release November 18th. I fucking hate this movie, so this is going to be my first, like, one. I'm going to be honest. I, I actually this like this movie, Dan, <laughs> oh, so I'm happy for you to choose this. You're welcome. So, I'm, I'm, we, need to, we need to band together so we can just make Nadine suffer. <laughs> I never liked this movie. My older sister, Christina... Used to make me watch this movie over and over and over again when I was younger. And it wasn't like one of those movies where like I actually really liked it when I first watched it or it grew on me. I liked it least like less and less every single fucking time I watched this movie. So I don't know how it's gonna be for me. Maybe as an adult I'll appreciate it more, but I doubt it. I really fucking doubt it. <laughs> well, um, I have actually watched this movie before, which gets me excited because now I don't have to venture into uncomfortable territory. I'm right at home, so I appreciate this, Dan. No worries. It, it's it's been a while since I've watched it, but I remember like adoring this movie. So we'll see how what happens. All right. Well, that should be it. 
Nadine, anything else? Nah, man, that's it. All right, guys. Well, see you later. Bye. Look forward to me talking more again next episode. Cheers. See ya. Bye.